My name is Saki Jane, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Welcome back. And today's guest is Sackett Jane. He is the CEO of Impact Wealth Builders and host of the Migrate to Wealth podcast. And I am so excited to share this episode with you guys because as soon as I got connected to Sackett, I realized we were on the same mission together and he is just so all about using real estate as a long-term passive investment to give back. So the more real estate he buys, the more impact he can make in this world. Sackett has spent a lot of time in the corporate space and even gave all that up at one point to go live with the monks in India. But he is now back here building an empire that is destined to make massive impact in the world. And you'll hear all of his passion throughout this episode, but pay close attention to the part where he speaks about how having to weave in philanthropy into capitalism is like carrying the torch and being the new example of how business should be done. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with my good friend, Sackett Jane. All right, welcome back to the episode, and I am fired up for today's guest to welcome the CEO of Impact Wealth Builders, Sackett Jane. Sackett, thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey, thank you, Randy. I've been looking by you, and I've been going back and forth, man. Yeah. Um, I love our conversations. I don't think we've ever had enough time, so we'll see how we can time-constrain this podcast. Yeah. Uh, it can go hours. I was telling Steve before we get on here, it's like, it's, we got to be careful because we can just go rabbit hold so quickly here. Right. Because you and I have just spent so much time talking about social impact, how to use, you know, real estate and investing in different vehicles to create more passive income, to support more charities or organizations, basically creating like infinite returns for charities. And that is uh, ex- why I'm so excited to have you come in today and and share a little bit about that. Um, but one of my favorite parts is, is on your website, you have a tagline that just says delivering high yield returns for socially minded investors. And if that doesn't describe Steve and I to a T, I don't know what does. So yeah. we are, we are destined to be put together. So I'm really excited. Same here, Steve. So it's going to be your job to keep us in line. Uh, I can do that. I can do that. I can snap whips. <laughs> so let's, let's start with a little bit of the basics here. So I can take it back a little bit. Um, I know you were in the tech industry and we can skip a little bit of the backstory because I want to get into some of the the more yeah. prevalent stuff, but you were in the tech industry and then you became a monk in India and then you came back here with a new mode of mischief. Can you walk us through a little bit of that journey and yeah, what definitely. brought you back here and re-inspired you? Mm-hmm. So I'll just, I'll just correct that in a little bit. I didn't become a monk. I was living with the monks. Living with them. Um, yes. So that's, that's the only slight shift in the, uh, a lot of, a big difference, but very slight words, change of words. So um, as you said, right, I was I was a consultant before uh, working the tech sector, 
and also non-tech sector, multiple different sectors. Was a developer IT guy for way back when. Then I shifted to management consulting. I uh, was doing real estate investing on the side, but predominantly from appreciation perspective. I don't think I understood what I wanted. Everyone else was doing it. You know, it was 2002, 2003. Everyone was doing real estate. Might as well. Um, so me and my wife got married. We bought a condo. We didn't. We thought it was too small. We got lazy and we didn't sell it. And thank God we didn't sell it. Uh, but it was not for the was not for the right reasons. Anyways, along the way, we kind of lost our way. Uh, back in 2008, and it didn't happen. It's just timing is interesting, but it didn't happen because GFC. We pretty much sold everything we had, um, and we were we were kind of asking those key questions in life that I'm glad we asked when we asked because we we're pretty we're pretty young. Well, we're still pretty young, but younger. Um, of what do we really want to do with our lives, right? Uh, you know, like anyone else, when you're married for a certain number of years, you got you start going to have pressure of having family and uh, all that good stuff. And we were like, we don't want to bring somebody in this world if we're not ready, right? because you can't return them. Uh, they're going to be with you forever, uh, so you can't return them. There's no return policy, unfortunately. <laughs> so like, right, let's let's make sure we are we are sure we want them before we do that. And the only way we thought is. We won't know by living in the world we live in. We gotta radically change our, our our mental framework. How do we do that and do it in a way that we're adding value to somebody else's life? That's the time when we actually sold everything. We're like, you know, we, we gotta go hardcore. And you know I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. It's immersion, total immersion. There is no there's no one step in, one, one foot one foot in, one foot out. So we made a drastic decision, highly illogical, but the most logical decision ever I've made. Uh which is we basically moved into a monastery setting, which is called ashrams in India, and we were living with the monks, helping well, using our skills that we have, uh, helping grow the foundation, helping serve the purpose, and those were really like, the defining moments of our lives. That's one of the places where it's one thing to read on uh, read somewhere and watch a video of what life on the other side looks like. And I grew up in India, so which is even it was even crazy for me to say that someone could say that I lived in that environment I should have known that environment but sometimes a fish doesn't know that it's in the water right right you got to take the fish out of the water for it to appreciate uh the water again that same thing happened with me I had to leave the country for almost 20 no almost 10 15 years at that time 10 years up eight years to be exact for me to go back and realize oh this is what life used to be for me uh daily grind, right? That's exactly what it was. And so we were very appreciative of that. And my wife grew up in the U.S., but she always had a fascination for India. Uh, she's an Indian origin, but she had a fascination of living there. But we tried that life, and we would get up in the morning at three or four, um, meditate with the monks, the way monks do. So the whole morning routine was four to five hours of just self-focus. And then the other, the other full day was somebody else's focus your focus was not to you and i think yeah Randy, you may have talked about it steve i know you and i haven't uh, talked about it much but it's really you know the best part of that was what, what do we say is the biggest is the biggest advantage of being a human being is free will and choices and options right as ironical as my next statement may sound our life got so much freer when we had no choices Right. Right? Because somebody else was telling us 
hey, I mean, we had a belief in the institution. That's what you have to do. You have to believe in something. So we believe the purpose. I'm like, you know what? We get up at four. We were told you're going to get up at this time. We were told you're going to eat this at this time. We were going to told this is what you're going to do during the day. We were told this time we're going to sleep. And this time we're going to meditate. The whole day was structured not by us. It's by the need of the humanity, right? Because one of the biggest purposes is the Miracle Morning book. So we got to live that life for a long time. But anyways, then we decided to leave for a variety of reasons. One of the big reasons was my dad uh, developed cancer and he wouldn't take money from me uh, for his treatment because it's like, you can't afford yourself, yourself giving up your life. I can't take the money. That was the, that was the shift in our perspective that our decisions are not just our decisions. There's a whole ecosystem that we've developed, extended families that also get affected by that. Is their primary and secondary and tertiary uh, impacts. We have to be careful in that. So we came back, then we lost our weight. Um, like we got, I got, I lost my way. I should say, I shouldn't say me. I shouldn't include my wife and she's not around. Uh, I lost my way and I got heavy into just about making money until 2016 when I got laid off. And uh, that's when the rude awakening happened where I was devastated. I didn't, re- I didn't reflect this 2008 time um, during that time. But when I had the chance to reflect on it, it was really the same time. Same same type of thing that had happened because I lost the only financial, uh, only way, my only way of making money, right? I, was, I started to ask the question, why am I so devastated? I've done this before. What I found is I did it because I wanted to do it in 2008. In 2016, somebody else made that decision for me, right? Right. And that mental shift basically set us on a different path now because now we got into a path where for this part of my life, I may not have control of other parts, but for this part of my life, which is financials, I need to build uh, something, a framework, a mechanism for me to make sure that I don't give that control to anybody else again. So which happened to, that's what led me to real estate, venture capital, um, short-term rentals, all that good stuff that we have done in the last few years. But then in 2000, and, uh, and tell me when to, pa- when to pause, man. You know I can talk for the entire hour. Oh, so, dude, I got, I got like 10 questions that are building up. So I'll let so you let finish. Me just, I'll let me just finish, finish quickly, one more we'll part because in. that's a logical part to yeah. what you're trying to do here. And uh, during COVID, I had about five of my family members pass away. I had three of my uncles pass away. My sister, who is two years older than me, passed away. My mom passed away two, two months right after I got pretty sick with COVID, bedridden for like 15 days. Then my brother, I recovered and my brother had an attack. I'm like, okay, you know what? Uh, knowing what knowing what I know right now, I'm like, I need to take a pause and reflect on what is life trying to teach me? There's, there's so much adversity happening and thankfully I had the strength to recover from that. Uh, but there's so much adversity happening. If I don't learn the lesson, the next one is going to be even bigger yeah. adversity. That's how I look at life. So I'm like, any adversity is an, is your opportunity to learn something. So wh- uh, it was really our reminder to life's too short. And you got to figure out what you want to do with that life. Now, hopefully all of us live till a thousand years. Uh, it's coming. We also may pass it. Yes. Or we all may pass to pass tomorrow. Nobody knows, right? So that's really what brought the urgency of, okay, we, then we went back to really at that time, me and my wife had a conversation. We went back to our roots at 2008. We were looking to have an impact on the life. And one of the biggest impact that we feel is education. Because however good and bad, we can argue back and forth whether the education system works or not. 
it works for folks who don't necessarily have a way to make their means meet ends meet. Right. It's the fastest way out of the poverty. Uh, and then you can then you can do whatever whatever you want to do. So our goal then became let's let's put time and money and effort towards educating kids uh, in a in a manner that's sustainable, not through donations. Donations are part of it, but how can we do it through an investments which are a little bit more sustainable? Right. So our whole purpose has become our goal now is by the end of twenty thirty. Uh, sponsor K through twelve education for hundred thousand kids. Wow! Now that's the goal that we want to have. Uh, now, someone would say that's a pretty lofty goal. It's a lofty goal, but in all honesty, if I can change one person's one kid's life, that's life worth living. Right? So it's 100%. really a goal that we want to strive for and we want to aim for, and we want to hit everything there. But that's really what we wake up for. Did we change one life today? Did something that we did on investments impacted one person's life? And if it did, great. And if it didn't, let's make sure tomorrow's tomorrow's life is led differently. So I'll give it back to you now because dude. I want to make sure I ended at a point where you guys are passionate about. Yeah, dude. Uh, I have so much I want to jump into. I know Steve's got a few questions that uh, that he's building up as well. But um, oh, where do I want to start? Um I'll ask a simple one, and then Steve, if you want to jump yeah. in and ask something uh, a little bit extra here, you can. Um, that that transition from when you you know you said your dad uh, you couldn't support your dad. There's mm -hmm. something we talk about that's um, sometimes you need a traumatic instinct to happen in your life in order for you to make a drastic change. Yep. When you came back, it was all about money, but it wasn't about impact. And then you said you found that impact a little bit later going through the motion. Was there a traumatic impact that came? You said you and your wife just decided that you wanted to change trajectory. Was there a traumatic impact that changed you to start finding the impact side of it more than just the money side of it? <laughs> it was really um, the passing away the family members, man. And then me getting sick, my brother getting uh, had a heart attack. It was those times where you are paused to think, what is the purpose of life? And life's too short. It's unfortunate, the losses. Uh, but... Regardless, for me, that, that those losses left a hole, left a void that nobody can ever fill. But it also gave me a purpose to make sure that money is important. Money is very important. But I, I'm not the one to say, even though I lived with monks, I'm not going to say money is not important. Money is very important. But it's also good to, very important to understand, money is not going to give you everything. Right? So if you can use money as a means to give you, having, I mean, we all know that. Uh, millionaires, billionaires who are unhappy. I mean, look at folks who are committing suicide, right? Yeah. They have the money. So money is definitely not in all. Now, one, one, you know, we have heard, always also heard, I would rather be unhappy rich. <laughs> uh, yes, it, it's, it sounds great when you say it, but when you're dealing with that, you really would rather be happy poor. Did you, okay. did you hit that point in your journey? Did you feel like you were rich and unhappy i'll say and i'll say rich in, in metaphorically i know like making yeah. more money than you'd ever made before but feeling unhappy i guess that's kind of the question i was trying to get i understand you lost some family members but was it like an unhappiness in that space it was, was it a full life term things like that i think it was unfulfilled life right the question was if i were to die tomorrow and i had the chance to tell somebody how i led my life what would i say Mm. I made money. Question. I made money. Is that really what my life's purpose is? To make money? Uh, 
yeah, I want to make money. That's fine because that is needed in the world. But really, what what am I going to tell them? And I didn't have a good story back then, really. I mean, I still don't have a good story. I'm still developing my story. Right? Of what I want to tell my, how do I want my kids to remember me? As somebody who worked nine to nine to nine, uh, and when I said nine is nine a.m. to nine a.m. Um, and never saw them and didn't build any memories. I want to have a. I want to have. And you and I were talking about the five dimensional human being, right? We want to make sure that your mind's healthy, your health is there, your relationships are there, you have the money you need, and you're impacting the world, right? If you actually can bring balance into all these five dimensions of your life, I, I think you'll live, you, you, miss, you still may not live a fulfilled life, but your life's going to be way more fulfilled than you had when you only had the money. That's really the vectors we're trying to balance in our lives, and that's our messaging. <clears throat> Perfect layup into the first question I wanted to ask you. And you mentioned about like the key questions in life. You know, you mentioned the uh, fulfillment or maybe the void. The fulfillment wasn't that quite there yet. In the early stages of that, when you're exploring, you know, uh, this world is big. There's so many different opportunities in life that you can go and chase or, you know, dedicate life to. And I think for me anyways, there's so many things that I'm so curious about that do actually fulfill me, but I feel like I can't chase them all. How were you able to, one, did you feel the same way? And two, how were you able to filter out the dozen different things that you wanted to do? and commit down into, you know, one or two of those things. Yeah, definitely, man. That's, I think, I think one of the big, it was, it was actually an easy decision for me. Was, um, I didn't have to go through multiple options because the way I asked the question was different. I didn't ask the question, what fulfills me the most? I asked the question, what changed the trajectory of my life? Right? That, that's a question I asked. Okay, what is the single lever that I can give um, give credit to beyond being born of that that changed the trajectory of my life and I kept going back to one thing which is <clears throat> if my parents did not put attention to the kind of education they gave me I would not be where I am you and I will not be recording this podcast but so the, the entire attribution gives for me went back to the education system now of course it has its own flaws and I'm not saying education system in India or all over the world is perfect. Um, everything has its pros and cons. But if I were to say that, if I had the choice of doing everything else but getting the education the way I got, uh, would I be the same place? I don't know. But I know for sure I am here because of that. <laughs> so then then the next question was, okay, can I can I make this available to others? And will I make it available for folks who have the resources or folks who don't have the resources, right? I think individuals who have the resources, they have other ways to tap into education. Because if you have the resources to be in the U.S., the education system is pretty good, um, right? The availability is there. Uh, but if you're in India, especially in the rural countries, rural country areas, you may not have the education system because, not because the education system is not there, it's because your parents are working in the field and they need extra hands. 
Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of deployed on the field at a very early age, especially if you're a girl. Uh, you're you're taught to stay at home and kind of help, right? And when I started looking at that, I'm like, that's fine because they're making those decisions because of their current reality, which I can't change. I'm not saying I'm going to uplift poverty for everyone. That's a pretty lofty goal for me, and I don't even know what the next step for that would be. But I'm hoping somebody uh, in our, somebody that we know would change that. I'm really hoping and I'm rooting for that person, but it's definitely not me um, because I, I would be more paralyzed with that question because I don't know what the next steps would be. But what I knew was if we can enable those small kids, if we can enable those families to say, we will cover the cost of the education so you don't have to go crazy in figuring it out. You're not able to meet your ends meet. Now you have to also pay extra for the education, right? So that's the question that we're like, you know, we know education changes life, can change life. Um, some folks are not getting it. How can we make it work? And what what I learned in 2008 was, because I saw it firsthand, donations are not sustainable. Because Steve and Randy, today, and if you were not you, I know you would never do it, but if you guys were not doing with the passion you have, and you contributed, let's say, $10,000 a year on a cause, next year... If something changes in your life, your first priority is going to be to redirect that $10,000 towards your own needs, right? And which is perfectly fine. I'm not judging, no judgments there. But what happened to the other kids who were depending, who who wanted the $10,000, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, is it fair? Is it not? I don't think that's the right question. Is it more, is it sustainable way to, to deploy that model? And I see that most nonprofits are working on the donation model, Right. So like, you know, we have some skills, we know how to invest, we know we've been doing it for that. We've created financial freedom for us. I've retired from Airbnb last year in December. So we know it's possible. Now there are ups and downs, right? But can we use the same model that we have, we have created for us to get freedom? Freedom? Can we do the same thing to basically enable freedom for other kids? Right. That's really ask, how it all came. I wanted to ask about that too, actually. Like you have a good education, you have an MBA. And I'm sure that helped uh, lead you into Airbnb, mm-hmm. which is uh, an incredible company. I love Airbnb from uh, a user perspective. Uh, I think you should continue using that. I still have shares of the company. You should continue <laughs> using that. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Whenever I travel, it's the first thing that I look up. So Airbnb, yeah. if you're listening, by all means, reach out. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, you know, in in a large company like that, that really has shifted. Um, like consumerism at a, at a substantial material level and being in the position that you were there, did you notice the culture and the team around you think differently than other like medium or small businesses? So I can't speak for other companies because I only work at three companies while I'm in the US. One sure. was Booz Allen, the other one was Johnson Controls, and the third one is this company. So I've never worked in a small company. Okay. Um, these are all companies. I mean, Airbnb was small when I joined them, but they're definitely not in terms of revenue and the market uh, market cap, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't really compare it, but I can just say the company is, the reason I joined the company was really because of their concept of belonging. Oh, really? Everyone belongs. That's really their man- mantra. Everyone mm-hmm. belongs. So that's one of our core values, right? At Airbnb. Uh, I mean, you can, you can still see, I still say our. I still feel part of the company. Wow. So... When you look at it, it's really what we're trying to do, what you guys are trying to, uh, Steve and Randy, and what I'm trying to do, is really we're trying to create a belonging. 
Mm-hmm. Or folks who don't belong, not because they're not humans, it's because they don't seem, they don't think they fit because they don't have the resources, they don't have the money, they don't have the food, they don't have the clothing, they don't have access to health. It's really at a, at a very abstract manner. We're trying to replicate, I am trying to replicate, I think you guys are trying to replicate the belonging culture and spreading that message even broader. Uh, but in a way, which is not only monetary driven, right? Of course, Airbnb is a yeah, shareholders and they have to respect that and they have to care for that. In our case, we're not, we're not handling billions of dollars worth of investments that we have shareholders are only for profit. We will get there and some of us have got, gotten there. But the giving is built into, is weaved into the fabric of our offering. That's really what changes. Airbnb has an Airbnb.org, right? You know, there's a lot of giving programs when their refugee programs happen. So there's a lot that the company does. And and we all supported it. The employees supported it a lot. But the company is great and the shifting is great, but I we can't change the company to go in the direction we're having. Because uh, the shareholders are I mean it's, it's a different it's a different problem to solve. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't again, I only try to take on what I can handle. Uh, it may be my, my limited mindset. Maybe I can change the entire world, but I know what I can definitely change. So I would rather do that ASAP. And that's, that's really what I took on. That is, uh, very fascinating. I'm excited to dive into this and, and talk a little bit about it of, you know, obviously that corporate world, you can't add the giving into it just like a drop of a hat. Whereas what you and I are talking about more in the private sector is like, how do you just add a giving component to your business, yeah. create a new product, add it in create sustainability that as as long as Sackett is running this portfolio or somebody in his family, or as long as it stays in generational space or sold to somebody that believes in the mission, that uh, real estate product, that fund, that service that you provide will continue to donate mm-hmm. to the people in need. And that's what you talked about when it's like, if that $10,000, if you need that $10,000, but you're donating it, it becomes a tough thing when it's inside your business is no different than paying taxes or right. paying for a subscription service. Right. It's, it's not part of your profit margins, uh, to, to take out. So now that we're getting into this discussion, how do you see sustainability being built now inside these funds, inside these products and service services, and how are investors taking onto it? You know, there's so many stats out there that are 76% of all uh, purchasers want to buy from a company that has some sort of giving component or some sort of philanthropic yeah. component to it, things like that. Are you starting to see people be excited about this mission and how are you implementing it into your businesses? So they are. I think there's always going to be two kinds of people, right? Maybe maybe more than two, but I think we're broadly classifying. Yeah. One, where the message is going to resonate. The others, where it's not going to resonate. They're not there yet, right? So we'll just talk about the folks where the message resonates. Yep. Um, because that's the low-hanging fruit, and there's enough there's enough people in the world that if we can even hit all of those, uh, the purpose that you guys and I and others are trying to support, well, we'll we'll be able to make a big shift, um, a big impact, right? So, your question, what do I see? So, I think if you look at the if you look at the generations, that's an easier easier concept. The younger generation. They want to, and we did a lot of study at Airbnb for that. They want experiences. They want meaningful uh, aspect uh, rather than just the money. They do want the money. Everyone wants the money. But they also want, they they emphasize more on not on big homes, on fancy cars, but more on experiences. 
And one of the bigger components of the experience is fulfillment. Am I adding value to somebody? Whatever it is, I mean, it could be thousand people, it could be one person, doesn't matter. Am I adding value? Am I taking care of a planet and people around me? Right. And everyone does it in a different manner. Now, if you talk to those guys, they're pro Tom Shoes. They're pro yeah. uh, Go Big to Go Big. Right? They're, they're pro Impact Wealth Builders. They're all pro about it. Now, they, the, the, the flip side of that is they may not have the resources yet to, to invest in these opportunities where because the way the opportunities are created is not created for everyone. Right? Um, it's depending on how the fund is created, 506C, 506B. Some of them may not be able to invest in but that's going to change, right? That's going to change. If we set the foundation correct, eventually they're going to get to that point where they're able to graduate graduate into with that thinking, and that thinking is going to come in the investor world, where they want to invest with people like you, people like me. If if an opportunity A, if if two two funds are giving the exact same opportunity, and one fund has a giving opportunity, giving component to it, the other fund does not. Now, will we, will we pick the giving component or not? I think what I am trying to do, and I haven't successfully achieved yet is, so on, on, I have a paper sketch for that, is really more about, can I figure out a tax-advantaged way to basically balance out the difference, right? If you're going to make $1,000 on an opportunity, doesn't matter if you go with Randy, who has a giving component, or John, who does not have a giving component, your returns are exactly going to be the same for the same exact opportunity. It's because the way we have structured the tax incentives, we have taken advantage of the tax laws, where because you're giving, you're getting some tax breaks, and when you're looking at net-net, it's actually similar, or maybe slightly lesser, but it's not gonna be 10% lower, it's not gonna be 15% lower, right? It's gonna be a tad bit lower where you can now feel good about making a difference in somebody else's life by contributing some, but you're not sacrificing your own needs. Because what we also understand is, Sometimes it's okay in the heat of the moment, the pledging is okay, right? Yeah. But how successful and how sustainable is that pledge going to be? So we don't want to put people into a position where they're saying, yes, yes, I saw a very heartfelt video. Uh, here's my 10% of my investments, right? I personally never do that yeah. because I don't want to make them emotional to make a decision. I want them to figure out the decision when they are not emotional, right? So, because that's when they they want to make the best investment decision, and I want this to become an investment decision, not a donation. Donation is when your hearts now heartstrings have to be touched. That message has to resonate. Uh, but I think it, I think the world is changing, Randy. To your uh, short answer to your question is really it's changing. Yeah, we're seeing more and more openness, more acceptance. People are there's an, there's a lot of wealth, right? In the world, there's a lot of wealth, especially the ecosystem that we're all built. Everyone wants to make an impact. People just don't know how. You think? Do you think we're on the on the curve of you know uh, the early adoption phase? Like, do you think we're in the early adapters phase? So guys like you and I right now are saying, "Hey, we're trying to find ways to add giving components. We're talking about this in our businesses, in our investment strategies. We're trying to find sustainability in this." Like, do you think we're on the early adapters phase where you know five, ten, fifteen years down the road? It's going to become a normal conversation that that's just the way that people um, use their money to, uh, I don't want to say create status, but it's like, I invest in Sackett's group because it actually goes and makes impact in this world. You yeah. invest in that group. Oh God, that's, you only care about money. Like, 
stay away from me kind of thing, right? Like, are we going right. to see that curve come? Or is it oh, like, you know, capitalism and money is always the driving factor for so many people. You know, we're a rare breed that wants to make a giving back. So do you think we're on the early adapters or do you think this is just going to be a slow drip? Yeah, it, yeah. Be a little more specific on that. I think, like, I'm really curious on this too. Is it, is it a bell curve or is it more linear? I I think it depends upon how we approach it. Right? If we make if we make that this is better than that, um, then it's going to end up becoming a bell curve because the way the way we are, I'll talk on America because I can because I have a different perspective because I live in India, right? The Americans are raised, the culture, the way the culture is very individualistic culture. That at 18, you make your decision, your your parents have no say. When I grew up in India, no matter how old I am, my parents are my parents are always gonna influence my decision. Period. Right. So it's a collective, it's always a collective thing that it may be perfect for this one person, but is it serving the collective also? I mean, there's a concept of joint families. Now, again, everything has pros and cons. So I'm comparing the two, but there's, I'm not making one bad or good. It's just the way the cultures are. Right here, it's a very, very, what works for me initially, and then I'll think about others. Uh, can I also help others? When I, the way I grew up is, what's going to work for collective, and how can I find good for me in there too? Right. So I think if we create the divide, the way that uh, at least I heard you guys phrase, was capitalism is bad versus this is better. Then I think the divide is going to continue to continue to grow, unless we change cultures. And I don't think you, us three, can change the culture in our lifespan. Now we can we can make a dent. We can all make our dents in our small ecosystems, which we all are trying to do. But I think if we really want to change it, we really have to make it part of capitalism. Mm -hmm. And once we do that, I think what I was seeing is. We're not in the early adoption phase from that perspective. I think that there's there's been a lot of pioneers who have done that. Tom Shoes has done that, right? So they've set up the stage for us. Now we got to take that torch and make sure we push some more gas into it so it continues to light and lights even uh, stronger, right? So which which is now our jobs. So what we're doing it, and I don't think I don't think you're you maybe you may have used that word used that phrase, but I don't think you meant that that way. So I want to add some more context because you're not saying capitalism is bad or good. You're basically saying we have to weave this enough fabric of capitalism that giving become parts of being capitalist, right? And but it has to be done in a way where the financial reward doesn't change a lot because. Ultimately, that drives all of us, right? So we have to be careful in that. The moment we break that, the moment we say that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't believe personally. I don't believe in tithing ten percent every week, every every month, every year, um, as a force. If somebody wants to do it, they should, right? But I don't, I don't like saying that you have to, because once it becomes have to, there's a difference between have to versus I get to, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't get to do things. You're going to build a resistance and you're not going to do it. So if we say that this is a better path versus something else you were doing before, then it's a better path from whose perspective, right? Because better is such a, such a subjective term. But if you say that, you know what? Our goal is going to be that every fund that's been created, there's going to be a giving component in the future. You don't have an option, period. Right. Yeah. If it goes top down versus bottom up, 
I think if we, if, we, if somehow we can push it top down, where where people are not going to have an option. That made me think of something actually, because like um, you mentioned that the three of us might not be able to change culture, which I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's not impossible. it made it made me think of like who could, and then that made me think that I believe I heard it where uh, Warren Buffett is donating the entirety of his net worth when he passes. And I think Bezos says something similar. I don't think it's the entirety, but I think it's a significant portion. And I think, you know, with, with Steve Jobs, there's these, like the richest people in the world will be gone in 50 years. Mm -hmm. So a generation from now, let's say maybe two, depending on how you define that, there's going to be, you know, multiple trillion dollars given back into a philanthropic mode. I so wonder if that's going to be the piece that really changes the direction or the um, the components of capitalism. And I don't want to get into it now. I want to ask you something else. But that's food for thought. I, I think it could. I just don't know what the how have they put the structure of the foundations together. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you, it's kind of sad, but it's a true. Nonprofits are the biggest profit centers of the world, for sure. Right. Yeah. So unless they are deployed properly, unless they are run to a certain way, I'm not saying these guys have bad motives. I just don't know enough about their structure to have a, a good comment on that. But if they were structured the way you and I are thinking about it being structured, I think it could be a game changer, man. So I just need to marry uh, Warren Buffett's grandchild or something like that. And yeah, and then you need go. to adopt me and Randy <laughs> to make sure that we all take care of each other. <laughs> But anyways, uh, I want to ask you this question, and um, it's one of my favorite questions that we ask on every episode. Um, and it's kind of like bragging about yourself uh, just a moment of one of your favorite times of giving. And it doesn't have to be the biggest check you ever wrote, but something that when you think back on to always gives you goosebumps and just like fills you with emotion. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's not about money. It's actually right. a very different story. Back in 2005, 2006, the foundation that we were part of, nonprofit foundation, which uh, which we joined in India, uh, one of the biggest components for them is sort of self-development through meditation and yoga. And uh, both me and my wife were pretty deep into that program, into the foundation's uh, teachings, and it had changed our life drastically. Uh, one of the, two of my friends, actually one of the friends that I met in the U.S. and another friend who I grew up in India with, he went to school, same school as I did. Uh, I'll talk about the guys, the friend in India, because that's a much, that, that's a much relevant story because he didn't grow up here. And we both came to this country and I told him what program I've done. He's like, yeah, it's a, it's all woo-woo thing, man. I don't want to do it, meditate, it doesn't work. I'm like, you know what, it's completely up to you. This is what the program has done to me. Uh, I'm just sharing this with you. If you don't want to do it, I respect that. If you want to do it, let me know. So I think something in him stirred. He's like, let me just do it. It was a seven-day program, an hour a day, and then the entire Saturday and Sunday. Uh, for So five-day, one hour, and then two days full-day immersion. He came, at the end of uh, that Sunday, he came crying to me. He's like, this is the first time I've felt human socket. Of course, we hugged each other, we cried, and, you know, um, like in Indian culture, if crying is not a bad thing. Um, so we cry all the time. So, uh, at least the men. Uh, so I'm sure, I'm seeing that more and more ha happening here as well now, which is perfect, which is amazing. And it's kind of like, and that was not a, these, these, that were not, that was probably one of the most emotional times for my life, right? Where just, I didn't do anything, man. 
I literally did not change anything in my life. I just showed somebody something that has helped me in a most profound manner. And the impact that had on that person was way deeper that I could have, I could have given him a million dollars. I would not have had that impact on him. Right. So giving, I think one of the things that forgiving is, and this example is a great example. It doesn't always have to be money. Yeah. Not always. Right. We got to figure out what other person needs, what other ecosystem, what other partners need. And giving could, one of the things that we're talking about money is we're talking about giving at scale. So we're actually talking about money, but my biggest giving story, that's really what I'm like, you know what? The happiness I got at that moment, I'm still chasing that happiness. Because every day, if I can create those moments in my life, and the next biggest moment was really when 2000, in last last few years, uh, when we had that shift that we wanna, we wanna have education for kids, right? Uh, the first 50 kids that we donated for money for, for their education, they sent me the report cards and the pictures and the letters. Mm. Oh my God, I still get chills on my spine when I think about that. I, you can't fabricate that thing, right? Nobody can write those letters in, at scale of 50 letters each. Chat GPT can't do that. So I know there was a human who wrote that letter and these kids were basically pouring their heart out. How thankful they are to a stranger who didn't know them. Right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing a lot of things and summarizing the 50 letters that I read. And dude, I cried on every single letter. That, But that, again, was not a tear of pain. It is basically emotions that it is what fulfillment looks like. I just want, I, I'm addicted. Like, I want to do more mm-hmm. of that because it's for selfish reasons. Forget about their life. I want to feel good. And Tony Robbins says that if you have never felt happiness in your life, you haven't given enough. And that's yeah. really what we need to do, right? That's what we all need to do. So I don't know if Steve, I answered your question. I have a tendency to derail. Uh, if I have an answer, we can we can come back to it. Oh, that's awesome, man. I think um, you know my biggest takeaway out of that that I just wanted to share quickly was uh, just through people's day to days, you know, consider ways that you can open up doors for others, mm-hmm. and that's important, right? Sometimes you may not even know that they need those those doors. Keep the doors open yeah. to share. That is so special, Zach, and thank you so much for uh, sharing that. And you understood 100% of the context of that, of, of what we were looking for. So that was the perfect answer for for what it was. So thank you for that. And for the last, sets us up for the last segment of the show, which is our giving round. So some rapid fire, quick answer questions. Sure. Got, got that quick answer part? Let's do that, man. <laughs> well, let's say quick. I think you need to add something else for me. Quick and short. Otherwise, we're going to go on a tangent. Answer. Cool. Uh, so, sorry, the first question here. Uh, brag on one charity that you like. Isha Foundation. What's so good about it? Because I was part of that. So, I know exactly <laughs> how it runs. I know the I know the administration, how the expenses are. I know the efficiencies. I know everything about it. So, that's why I like it. What gets you more excited? Donating a $1 million check? Or spending a week physically helping others. Ladder. Because again, I did that. So I know what that yeah. feels. Beautiful. Who inspires you with their giving? You guys. I mean, I think about Randy, you're, you're, I know, I've, you and I have talked a lot, like kind of like your passion. And then at your age, 
what you have built up your mindset and your frame of reference. I'm, I'm inspired by your conversation. Like we, I know you and I have shared the same coach and not a single day, con- single conversation goes by when Trevor and I don't have to talk about you. But really, you guys, you, your show, what you're trying to do, which really inspires me. And I love your name. Not your names, but that the, is a great I mean, I love your names too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but your giving program, no, it's amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Do you think that entrepreneurs should include a giving component from day one or wait until they've seen a little bit of success and have some money in the bank? I think it's, they should, they should bring a given giving element into their ecosystem. It may not be monetarily up enough because if you start carving out money, depending on what they're running, right? If the business can't sustain it, then they're setting up themselves up for failure. But if they actually bring giving aspect, uh, maybe their time, maybe their, maybe their learnings, maybe their teachings, whatever, whatever they think they can give beyond money. And once they have once, and they should build a marker that once we hit this marker, we're going to build a giving component into our business model because that marker is going to continue moving, right? Let me have a million dollar. Let me have a billion dollar. Let me have a trillion dollar. That there's not, that markers cannot be moving marker, right? So you got to figure out as an entrepreneur when that marker hits. I'm going to not forego the other things, but I'm going to bring the monetary giving as part of the, uh, my business model. Beautiful. Uh, what is the first thing that comes to mind or think of when you hear go big to give big? Inspiration. <laughs> what are you going to wake up for every morning? Like, especially, especially if once you hit the financial freedom, why wake up to sit on the beach or to continue creating wealth for you so you can now give other people um, things that they may not have access to or not just things, experiences, things, feelings, emotions, growth. And that's really what, what it comes to me. Well said. Now in one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Well, tell me. Oh, my beautiful answer, man. The final question we got for you today, Sackett, uh, in the context of using money to do good in this world, do you believe that money can buy you happiness? I don't think anything can buy happiness. We got about money. I don't think anything can. I think either you're happy or you're not. So happiness cannot and should not be conditional, right? So you can't, once you start, and I've done that, I'd still do that, that if I get this, I would be happy. You'll realize very quickly, once you get that, you won't be happy. The happiness will not be lasting. Right? So we got to make that happy happiness unconditional. Whether you're happy regardless of what you have or what you don't have. So can money buy happiness? Yeah, it can buy happiness, depending on what you're using it for. If you're using it to, to the giving that we talked about and all you're doing is using it to give, it probably will give you that money is not going to give you that happiness. It's what you're doing with your money is going to give you happiness, right? That's a more important thing to look at it. But I also think that don't even wait for that to happen. If there are ways, and if somebody has cracked the code, let me know because I'm looking for that code as well, how to remain happy, right? Yeah. That's got to be the code goal regardless of money or not money. Yeah. Very cool. I truly believe that you can drip happiness into your life with buying happiness, you know, going and doing acts of service or giving back. And it's just ways to shortcut that that balance to stay on the side of happiness. I mean, you know, just to add to that story, Bhutan happiness index is the highest happiness index but the poorest people in the world. Mm. So if money was to give you happiness, Bhutan is not going to be the happiness, happiness index is not going to be that high. 
quantitatively, and I know all of us are analytical, quantitatively, we have an answer. Yeah. It's experientially, we need to get there. Very cool, man. Well, Sag, we could probably stay here for another two or three hours. Like I know you and I tend I to do yeah. chatting, but we got to uh, we got to wrap it up now. And I just want to thank you so much for coming in, man. This is absolutely beautiful. Um, I know you have your own podcast, the Migrate to Wealth podcast, that people can come find more about you. But where else can people find out about uh, your funds and and what you're doing and the education that you're providing and things like that? Yeah, so we keep our education platform very different from our investment platform because we never want to mix it. So uh, if you want to learn about the five dimensions that we talked about, your health, your mind, your relationships, your spirituality, your money, your impact, anything of that nature, come to our podcast. That's where we talk about that. There's a there's a financial bent to it because money is an enabler. But if you want to look at the investment opportunities that we have, you can find them at impactwealthbuilders.com. You can also find me on uh, mostly all the social channels. And it's going to get even even better because now I've hired a social media manager so you can the presence is going to be more expanded uh, but yes you can find me on LinkedIn on Instagram on uh, so on you can't find me on TikTok because I still don't understand the platform <laughs> uh, but other than that you can find me everywhere beautiful man well thank you so much Zach that's an incredible conversation uh, I'm fired up about it and I think we're going to be on a very uh, very fun journey together on this journey to try and change the way we look at wealth Amen. capitalism and, and what we're going to be able to do so thank you so much for I, I have to say randy and steve continue doing what you're doing man you're you're this podcast is a great way but regard outside the podcast i think mean, you guys do a lot of different things uh so thank you for doing that thank you for having me on that show and making me helping me share my story and if hopefully it can inspire one person that'd be good enough well, thank you again thank you for listening to the show if you know someone who's an example of go big to get big We would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.